Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, sometimes when we see people sinning, it's so evident to us, and we see them. We go, what, hello? And they go, no, I'm doing exactly right. I'm doing fine. Well, no, you're not. Oh, I am. And that's why we need to be around people that will kindly take us to task and say, you know what? Let's talk about this. I'm, I'm not sure, but let's talk about it. I, I don't think what you're doing there is right. You hear or see stories about a charismatic leader who leads his or her followers to a tragic end. What's generally left unsaid in such instances is not the deception of the leader, but of the self-deception of those who bought into the leader's lies. That's why God says he judges the leader more harshly than the follower. They're responsible for the lives of many others, so it's important for them to keep themselves in line. Pastor Mark will be teaching about King Saul's self-deception, his ability to claim compliance while simultaneously being in clear violation of God's command is breathtaking. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Life of David. Verse 9. But Saul and the army, circle the word, spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves, lambs, and everything that was good. They went in and went, that'll look really good in my tent. Right on the shelf there, that'll look really good in my tent. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. Notice the key word, unwilling. It wasn't that they didn't understand. They were just unwilling to obey. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So when they went in, they knew what they were to do. They got there in the middle, and you're going to see that Well, they bring back the king. Now, why are they going to bring back the king? Because really, Saul's going to go like, this is my trophy here. I defeated the enemy. This is the king. I've defeated the enemy. So it's going to be his trophy. And then as they went through the tents, stuff that was like, you know, from Kmart or whatever, they threw that away. But if it was from like the real namey stores, whoa, look at that. Man, what's the name of that sucker right there? They brought those goodies back with them because they were really, really special. Good stuff. So the stuff that had to go to the Salvation Army, they just left there. The stuff that had never been worn, it was the wrong size or whatever, they got it at Dillard's and they got it at, you know, Neiman Marcus, they brought it with them. 
Am I relating to people tonight? Do you understand what I'm saying? So they brought him back with them. Now, I love, I love verse 10. Look what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Samuel isn't around, but the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Do you know tonight that God has eyes in the back of his head, in the front of his head, on the bottom of his feet? He sees everything. Be sure your sin will find you out. You'll understand that in a moment. In verse 10, we're reminded that God is all-knowing. Nothing is hidden from God. So the word of the Lord comes to Samuel. Verse 11. I am grieved that I have made Saul king. Because he's turned away from me. Notice how personally God takes this. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about the disobedience. He has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. There's an amazing picture there. First, God knew the pride that was in Saul's heart. We'll see that in a moment. But I want you to look at me. Here's the thing that really got God. God also knew the potential that Saul had, but he has now wasted it. God knows the amazing potential you have tonight and how he wants to use you. But the devil knows the potential and wants to have it destroyed. So many wonderful men and women who had amazing potential fell to the flesh and they lose it. Saul had amazing potential. But it would be wasted by disobedience. You see, God loves Saul. And Samuel loves Saul. It's not a thing of God angry and mad. He just saw the potential and he went, man, he doesn't care for me anymore. So it was evident that Saul's heart no longer belonged to God, but belonged to him. He's interested only in himself and how people look at him. You know the verse. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You say, well, Pastor Mark, how do you know that's, was, was it really a prideful thing? Well, you'll see how amazing it is. Verse 12 is a shocker. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and he went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul isn't here. Saul has gone to Carmel, not the Carmel up north, the one close by there. Notice what he did. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. So what has Saul done? On the way to Gilgal, Saul stopped and built a monument to who? Himself. Celebrating what? The victory. Is that amazing? I mean, he's got a monument. And he's proud of it. In his eyes, he's a winner. But God doesn't look at a monument. Where is God looking? At the heart. 
Well, how is this going to play out? 13 is an amazing, amazing verse. Look at verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. How would we do that today? In our churches, we go, hallelujah, glad to see you, Samuel. Praise God. Everything is terrific. Come look at the monument, God. I carried it out. Everything's terrific. Praise the Lord. So he's like into the religious deal. And notice what he says. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Well, let me ask you a question. Has he? Okay. Very, is it, anybody here confused? It? Pretty plain? Is that pretty plain? He hasn't? Okay. So right in that verse in your Bible, you want to write these two words. Self-deception. Self-deception. How powerful is self-deception? <laughs> oh. You know, you and I look at that here tonight and go, what is wrong with him? How, how, could he be, how could he be deceived like that? I mean, everybody knows he didn't obey. And yet, what does Saul think? He actually thinks he's obeyed. That's why it's called self-deception. You see, sometimes when we see people sinning, it's so evident to us, and we see them, we go, hello? And they go, no, I'm doing exactly right. I'm doing fine. Well, no, you're not. Oh, I am. And that's why we need to be around people that will kindly take us to task and say, you know what? Let's talk about this. I'm I'm not sure, but let's talk about it. I don't think what you're doing there is right. And we find that self-deception is amazing. Now, we're not talking about the world system pushing Saul into something. We're not talking about the devil even doing something here. This is self. Remember, we have three enemies against us. This is self. I mean, guess who's our own worst enemy? Hello. You and me. He's praising the Lord. But he's totally, he's totally deceived. He believes he's obeyed. Scary. Scary. Now, here's the problem. Saul is what? A leader. You see, a self-deceived leader doesn't only damage himself. He leads many people into deception. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, in the latter days, people won't stick to the word, Timothy. But you preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. You go for it. Because a leader has influence. A few years ago in Lakeland, we saw that deception take place. Cleanly, plainly. So many people thrown on the side just because of the same thing. Well, verse 14. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of the cattle that I hear? Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, whatever. (laughs) I understand. That's right. Eat more chicken. So what's going to happen now? You would think Saul goes busted, but watch what he does. Look at verse 15. Saul answered, 
well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. It's my men. Well, I want to just stop there and say something. Um, if you're a good leader, people follow and obey a good leader. So if you're, lead, if you're not a good leader, people just do their own deal. That, well, that's a dangerous statement already, but we know that's certainly he did it himself. The, the soldiers brought them from the Malachi. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to the sacrifice, to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Notice, isn't this amazing? They did it wrong, but we destroyed the rest. I mean, he's dancing everywhere. Verse 16. Stop. How do you think he said stop? He'd put his hand down his throat. Stop. (laughs) Remember, think about this. How long had Samuel cried over Saul? All night. Samuel loved Saul. He saw what was happening. So he says, stop. Samuel says to Saul, Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. To show how far Saul has gone, Saul should have never said, please tell me, I want to hear. You don't want to hear what's coming. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The premier people in all the world. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. You see, before Saul was picked by God to be king, he was humble. Look at the verse I have from 1 Samuel 9, 21. Saul answered when being chosen to, to be this king, but I'm not a Benjamite from, uh, but I am not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel. And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? So what is God saying to Samuel to say to Saul? He's saying these things and he's saying them to us tonight. You know them, but it's good for us to write them down. Write it down. God hates pride. He hates pride. That's exactly what's happening here. Notice that pride and disobedience seem to be connected. Pride says, I'll do it my way. Pride says, I'm better than you. Pride says, I can live independent from God. And that's what happens. You know, I have a turtle on my desk. I've told you about that many times. Turtle on a fence post. How did the turtle get there? Turtle can't climb a fence post. Somebody put the turtle there. It's a perfect picture of Saul. How in the world is Saul from the smallest little tribe ever to become king? God put him there. But God's going to do this. He's going to knock him off. Why? Because of pride. Pride and disobedience go together. You see, he made a monument to himself. Now, don't be too hard on Saul tonight. Because we can be very prideful people. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Second thing, God hates pride, but God loves humility. God loves humility. Humbling ourselves simply means this, recognizing that our ability, our power, our worth comes from God alone. One day, Jesus said this in Mark 9.35. Jesus called the 12, and he said, if anyone wants to be first... He must be the very last 
and the servant of all. You see, all through the Bible, this greatness is not measured like the world measures it. Power, money, position, rank, wealth, status, intelligence. Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not the way my kingdom works. If anybody wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. We put our desires last, and we put God's desires first. Remember that thinking precedes action. If you and I start in the Word of God during the day, God will renew our minds to get us to think like the Word thinks rather than how the world thinks. So why do I have that turtle on my desk? Because if I ever come in and go, man, how did I get over these 9,000 people on all these campuses? Pretty good, huh? You say, well, Pastor Mark, you would never think that way. Really? Sure I would. Would you? Sure you would. Wherever you're at right now. Look at the business you have, the money you have, the business you have, the health you have. Well, I did this. No, it's all the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. Anything you are is by the grace of God. In one second, it's over. And you're going to see this tonight. So I want to challenge it. I have it there because I'm flawed. And I need a reminder. And I look at it. And by the way, if people come in and are, are pushing their thing, independent, trying to be prideful, showing their weight around, I sit them down, seriously. It's for them to see as well. It's for them to see as well. Verse 18. He continues, he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy these wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you wipe them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? No ifs, ands, or buts from Samuel. I'm not playing the blame game. This is not a game. Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Look at the deception stuff. But I did obey the Lord. That's all I ask. I went on a mission as the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Malachites. And I brought back Agag the king. Here we go again. It's sad to see. But see, this is a person that will not repent. It's all excuses. Never taking responsibility. Never able to say, I was wrong, God forgive me. You'll see later, but it's not really true. So what he's saying is, the only thing I did was bring back Agag, and that's fine. I used to always say partial obedience is disobedience. But I was reading the last week or two, and I want to add something to it. I think it just, it just clarifies it even more. Write it down. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. I like it. I mean, I don't like it, but I like it. Well, God, I did this and this and this and this. No. Did you do it? By the way, it's not just obedience. It's got to be from the heart, right, right motive, instead of a prideful motive. Prideful motive. Partial obedience is complete obedience. But you know what happened? Sin always takes us farther than we ever imagined. Let me share with you, because... Because what happened here, and I have to go quickly, what happened here is since Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do, there were still Amalekites left alive. Later, David, as we go through the scriptures, David will have to deal with Amalekites. 
When you get to the book of Esther, Haman, the evil man that tried to destroy all of Israel, he was a descendant of them. And when Saul is killed on the field of battle, the final sword that goes into him comes from an Amalekite. See, the flesh will kill us if we don't rule over it with the power of God. Verse 21. Here he goes again. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God. So in other words, I disobeyed because I'm going to honor the best to God. In order to sacrifice him to the Lord, you got it, Gilgal. But Samuel replied, you know this verse by heart. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Now not only will your family not continue after you are out of the throne. But he has rejected you as king. I know this is a long sentence. You don't need to write it down. But we need to think about it just for a second before I leave. God is not interested in external religious observance but obedience from the heart. It's good that we come to church. It's wonderful that we serve. It's great that you're going to be in the fall festival and all the other wonderful things that we do. He loves to show, I mean, we love to show God that we we love him and we follow through with obedience. But if we do those things of serving, but we don't really obey him, he's not interested in it. He's not interested in it. By the way, our role model is Jesus. Jesus would say to us, I do exactly what the Father commanded me to do. Well, look at verse 26. But Samuel said to him, I will not go go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. So Saul's lies and excuses finally come to end. God judges it. It's a time of reckoning. And God is going to simply reject Saul as king. Verse 30. Samuel, excuse me, Saul replied, I have sinned, please, but please honor me before the elders of the people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Look what he does in the end. I've sinned, but come back to me and make me look good in front of the people again. So where was Saul's heart? It was not over God. It was over the people. He always wanted to look good over the people. That was his game. It was pride. Saul had an amazing beginning, but a really, really poor end. How can I finish well? It all has to do with obedience and obedience from the heart. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the biblical view of leadership in both the Old and New Testaments. Leaders are expected to primarily have the attitude that they're servants of God. Jesus told his disciples that to be first, you must be last. Also, complete obedience is required. As Pastor Mark shared, partial obedience to God is the same as complete disobedience. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This ends the first part of the teaching, The Life of David. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin part two. You'll learn that God has decided to drop the hammer on King Saul and inform him that God has chosen someone else to lead his people. You'll also find out the importance of putting mistakes behind you. Get right with God. Get up and get going forward. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right. Let us hear your lessons.